Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 20th, 2017. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We're continuing our countdown toward the beginning of training camp and media day on Monday. We'll do a couple more player outlooks today, taking a look at two players who disappointed plenty this season, uh, but the Magic will again invest a lot of hope in from that starting lineup, we'll talk about Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic. But before we get going, I do want to remind everyone that you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast if you have not already on iTunes, Audio Stitcher, and tune in all the fun places that you can download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And, of course, if you have not already, check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You got almost, I think every team in the NBA is covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just search for Locked On, the team you are looking for, and... Uh, and and do search that on iTunes or Audio Boom. Of course, you know you saw you heard us a couple weeks ago. We talked to Ben DeBose of Locked On Rockets. He does a great job covering the Rockets. Um, David Locke does a great job covering the Jazz, as well as hosting Locked On NBA, which there will be some other goodies on as well, including our annual preview. Uh, well, second annual preview because the second year of the Locked On Podcast Network, but our annual preview with all the Locked On hosts coming up in a few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. But I wanted to start today's show before we get into our player outlooks by uh, talking for just a brief moment about the uh, report that came out from Brian Windhorst and Zach Lowe about uh, the NBA having some revenue sharing problems. In fact, the Orlando Magic were one of nine teams, according to a confidential financial report that was uh, obtained by ESPN. The Magic were one of nine teams that failed to turn a profit even after revenue sharing. Now, a lot of you are probably sitting here saying, or if you follow the business of the NBA, a lot of you are probably sitting here saying, well, didn't the NBA get this new gigantic TV deal? Aren't they awash with money? And the answer is yes, they are absolutely awash with money. I don't think we should be calling the league, you know, the sisters of the poor or call the league, um, you know, to say that they're not, having, you know, they're, they're having money difficulties or, you know, to feel sorry for them and, you know, try and say, say that. I don't think anyone is saying that. I think what is happening here, and, I, and, and, and at least from the reporting that, that Brian Winhorst and Zach Lowe did, it seems like the league is struggling to catch up to the massive expenditure that came with the new TV deal. Essentially, For those that aren't familiar with the business of basketball, the way the salary cap is configured is it is roughly, it's a little bit less than, but roughly 50% of all basketball-related income. And a big chunk of that basketball-related income is the TV deal. So when the NBA signed this massive new TV deal, 
the league's expenses to the players went up significantly too. And so I think what we're seeing with this with this revenue sharing issue that that was revealed in this report are teams struggling to come up and meet this new expense. It's they're, they're, the league as a whole is bringing in the money, but where that money is going is still very uneven. Among the nine teams that did not turn a profit this year, seven made the playoffs, including the San Antonio Spurs and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers have the highest payroll in the NBA. So this isn't a case of bad teams doing bad, not making money, and good teams doing good and making money. This is truly a big market, small market thing. The Los Angeles Lakers made the most money in the league last year. And they've been a bad team for roughly two or three years now. The New York Knicks made a lot of money last year. And that team is a dumpster fire. This is, a, this is an issue that, that's plagued the league for a long time. In fact, a lot of what I think a lot of people felt were some of the main sticking points in the last round of collective bargaining, or at least during the last work stoppage, was the owners trying to get the players to sacrifice something so that there would be more equity or or more um, equitable dispersal of opportunity for teams to compete as well as equitable opportunity for teams to make money. In that case, as is often the case in labor negotiations, there was a lot of accusations that owners were cooking the books. This does not appear to be the case. And so the question that NBA owners are asking themselves now as they get ready for their Board of Governors meeting at the end of the month is how do we reconfigure revenue sharing to make it fair to all the owners because, yes, the league shouldn't have to rely solely on the Los Angeles Lakers to make all the money in the league and distribute it to the Memphis Grizzlies who, you know, have the biggest loss among NBA teams and have taken a lot of revenue sharing. It's revenue sharing you don't get every year. There's There's a specific formula. And so I think what is going to end up happening is it it sounds like there's going to be a push to evaluate and change the revenue sharing model because the league asked the players to smooth the cap, the cap rise, and the players didn't go for it. And so not only, and, and, and that is proving to be such a massive mistake for both parties. I can't, I can't understate how disastrous this decision was for players. If you were a free agent in 2016, it was a great decision for you. Just ask Biz Mac Biombo. I, I hate to call you out there, Biz, but yes. If you were a free agent in 2016, it was fantastic. If you were a free agent in 2017, all the money was spent because the cap didn't rise as much as they anticipated. And teams had spent all their cap room to hit the 90% mark or, you know, just they had this wild spending summer in 2016 and everyone is paying the price for it now, both the owners and the players. So that's that decision not to smooth the cap has turned out to be a very bad decision for the league, both players and owners. Doesn't really affect the fans as much, but players and owners definitely probably look back and regret not smoothing the cap up to, to the number it's at. It, it jumped, just for reference for those, again, who aren't familiar with the business of the, of the NBA, 
the salary cap jumped from about 70 million to about 100 million. It was like 70 to 94, 95 million. It was like a 25 to 30 million dollar jump in one summer. Gave everyone max cap space. It was insane. And of course, that was the only way the Warriors could sign Kevin Durant. So that competitive balance problem the NBA is always trying to solve, they can point to the, or, you know, they can blame the players for not smoothing the cap on that one. So the Magic then are a team that's currently operating at a loss. How much the loss is, we don't know. Uh, and, and and how to reverse it is probably also another big mystery. Revenue sharing probably would help, but the Magic are in a weird spot because Orlando is a growing market, but it's still a relatively small market. They got the nice arena, so that revenue's plenty there. The Magic actually saw an increase in attendance last year as well, and, and according to the Magic, at least, they reported, I think, three of the top five attended games in Magic history last season, including the season finale, which they claimed was the most attended game in Amway Center history. TV ratings did drop, but that deal is already signed. I, I, I think they're up for a new deal soon, if I'm not mistaken. So that will be another revenue stream that will increase. And then, of course, I think we can't forget, and I don't know if this would get counted in the calculations for this particular, um, for for revenue sharing. But the Orlando Magic are preparing to begin construction on their entertainment complex across the street from the Amway Center. The the old Orlando Police Department headquarters is almost completely torn down. uh, And once that gets built, then the Magic will have another revenue stream as a business to maybe offset some of the losses of operating the team. On top of all this, the Magic also bought the Orlando Solar Bears, which is a huge expense, uh, and will operate that team as well. And according to Alex Martins, is preparing to invest a lot more in their basketball operations, more than they ever have before, as shown in their signing of Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, and and their staff. So, while while this report does suggest that the Magic lost money in 2017 or operated at a loss, I'm not ready to say magic business is bad. It's it's certainly doing fine. These books get cooked uh, cooked is the wrong word to use, but they definitely do some some accounting sometimes with these books. And what I think the league is looking at in this specific memo for revenue sharing is only a, a specific part of the business. But for sure, the magic are, pro- are not one of the more profitable teams in the league. And on top of that, they're a losing team as well. And if you're if you're a, an organization, if you're a franchise that wants to change your financial fortunes or at least reach its capacity, winning is still the best way to do that. And that's the part that the Magic are working on diligently, you would hope. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. 
at participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. So let's move out from the business of basketball and to the business of basketball. Today we're going to talk about two starters who uh, are coming off of down years for the Magic last year, frankly. I think that both Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic ultimately are disappointed in their seasons. And it's not just because these are probably the two guys that are most inve- are, are two of the most invested guys in the team, um, but and so they're disappointed with the results for the team as a whole, but they're probably also a little bit disappointed in the way that they played individually. When you look at the season that Evan Fournier had, there were some measures where he was as good as he has ever been. He averaged a career-high 17.2 points per game, took the most shots of his career at 13.7 attempts per game, um, was still a decently effective three-point shooter at 35.6%, although that was a career low for him. He was on the ball more. His usage rate was up. He was attacking and scoring, and, and he was the guy. He got the opportunity that you know I've talked about with so many other players on this roster. He got the opportunity to test how far his game could go. But the unfortunate thing is, really as much as any player on the roster again, he was testing his ability on a roster that did not fit. And while, again, I think that every player deserves the opportunity to show how far he can go, I don't think anyone believed that Evan Fournier could be the number one guy on a winning team. So, essentially, the Magic were playing Fournier outside of his desired role, and I think a lot of the things that made him interesting, that inspired all that hope, or inspired the belief that he could reach that level... All those things seem to go away. So while Fournier did increase his scoring average, 17.2 points per game was a career high. As I noted, his three-point percentage was a career low, 35.6%. His field goal percentage was 43.9%. And so now the question with Evan Fournier becomes, how do you get him in the right role? What is the right role for him? And how did the Magic get the most of out of him? Well, for one thing, I think we can all understand and state pretty definitively, putting the ball in Evan Fournier's hands or putting the ball in, in, his, in, in his hands and asking him to create and drive and kick and be the primary playmaker is not going to work. He can probably still be a guy who averages 16, 17 points per game, but to get the most out of him, he's got to be efficient. And to get the most efficiency out of him, I think the best way to do it is to play him off the ball. Get him the ball in ball reversals. Let him attack defenses as they rotate to him or decide to take the shot and take away some of that playmaking responsibility. He's not a guy that you give the ball to and let him create. That's not his job. That's not what he's good at. He's good at working the pick and roll. He's patient in the pick and roll and he's gotten better at drives, but he still drives in a little bit too deep. He still is thinking to score rather than pass and so he becomes a little bit of a black hole. And that was a frustration Magic fans had of him last year. 
The good news is I think there is hope that Fournier can take that step up and, and, and the Magic can play him in a role that will make him more successful. After the All-Star break, again, we like I like to split last season into two seasons, before and after the All-Star break. But after the All-Star break, Fournier scored 18 points per game, shot a much more efficient 44.6% from the floor and 37.5% from beyond the arc. His effective field goal percentage, which was around 50%, rose to 53.2%. Those numbers, while his usage rate was about the same, 23.2%. So the Magic got more from Fournier by taking him off the ball and letting Alfred Payton do all the driving and all the playmaking. So the Magic proved that they can get a lot out of Evan Fournier still. Even with him at the top of the scouting report as the team's leading scorer, they showed that they can get an efficient Evan Fournier last year. And that, I think, bodes very well for this coming season. I I don't want to say that Evan Fournier will have a bounce-back season because... He averaged a career high in points. He was still a very effective player. And, and I've seen a lot of people who, you know, hate on him for his contract, which I don't agree with. I think he I think he played to the to his contract level last year. And and, and I think, think I saw a lot I see a lot of people who want to lay the blame for last season on Fournier because he the Magic tried to make him a player that he wasn't. Fournier should not be a primary playmaker. Fournier should be a supporting player, a second option at best, probably more likely a third or fourth option on a winning team. The Magic, again, are going to ask him to be their leading scorer, I think. If not, their second or third guy. There's going to be nights where they're going to need him to score and be the leading scorer, and there's going to be nights where he doesn't. Fournier right now is probably the Magic's best overall offensive player. And that's okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay. So long as the Magic use him correctly. So long as the Magic get him involved in pick and rolls off of rotations, not out of a standstill position. And we even saw it at Eurobasket. Fournier was most effective when the ball worked to him and he attacked the rotating defense because he is a smart player off the, off, the, off the dribble like that. When he paused... When he stopped the flow of the ball, when he stopped the flow of the offense, that's when he got into trouble. That's when he started forcing shots, and that's when he started making the mistakes that led to his inefficiency in 2017. Personally, I am very optimistic about Evan Fournier's season. I think Evan Fournier is due to have a strong season. Again, another 16, 17, maybe 18 points per game, shooting up back at around 45% field goal percentage, Three-point percentage, probably at around 37 38%. That's probably where he'll settle in. And I think that would be a very good season for Evan Fournier. We're not expecting him to become an all-star. He should aspire to that, don't get me wrong. But I don't think we're expecting Fournier to take that kind of leap. But we are expecting Evan Fournier to continue to provide a consistent level of play. And most importantly for this team... Spread the floor with his three-point shot. And I think he is definitely up for that challenge. As for Nikola Vucevic, Nikola Vucevic definitely, I don't think there's any way around this, 
had a down season last year. Ignoring, we'll get to the fit and all that stuff later, but Nikola Vucevic averaged 14.6 points per game, the lowest since his second year with the Orlando Magic. 10.4 rebounds per game was fine, but he shot a 48.0% effective field goal percentage, just 46.8% from the field overall. That is the worst field goal percentage since his rookie year. And as many of us recognized and saw, Vucevic started to drift out to the perimeter too much. And that was partly a product of the players around him. He had Bismack Biombo clogging the lane at times. He had Serge Ibaka, who also had a penchant for shooting jumpers, wanting to be in the paint as well. And Vucevic, I think, just naturally prefers to shoot jumpers than get in the post. That's, that's kind of been his game. So the Magic lost a lot of what made Nikola Vucevic special. I mean, the last two years, he in 2015, he averaged 19.3 points per game. In 2016, he averaged 18.2. So the drop from 19 and 18 to 14, 15 points per game is a huge drop, especially for an offensively challenged team. And on top of all this, Vucevic is not a guy that gets to the line very much. In fact, his 2.1 free throw attempts per game were the lowest since his first year in Orlando, and they've been declining over the last three years, his free throw attempts per game. So he struggles to get to the line, which is crazy for a post player. Post players should get to the line a little bit. So Vucevic is definitely still an effective jump shooter. He's probably one of the best jump shooting big men in the league. So, no one is telling him to stop shooting jumpers, although mid-range jumpers are the least efficient shot in the game. But I think what the Magic want to try and do is try and direct him back into the paint a little bit more. To tell him, go post up. You are a skilled post-up player. You're a smart post-up player. Go down there and dominate the paint. Ultimately, you really can't force him to do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he's going to pop or he'll fade away on on mid-range jumpers off off of post-ups. If that's what his game is going to be, it's going to be tough to keep him on the floor, tough to justify making him a part of this long-term future. Because, like again, like every other player on the roster, everyone is auditioning again. There should be a little bit of urgency with this team because new management isn't tied to anyone outside of Maybe Isaac and Simmons. And maybe Aaron Gordon. Maybe. Nikola Vucevic has got two years left on his deal. This year and next year. And while the center trade market is very depressed right now, Vucevic is going to have some trade value. He's on a team-friendly deal for the next two years. He's uh, can be a very productive center. And I think a lot of teams would prefer him coming off the bench, but would find a lot of use in him. So Vucevic, just like so many other players on this Magic team, has to prove himself all over again. He has to get back again to the level that had him knocking on the door of being an all-star. And if he can do that, then the Magic obviously will reap the benefits of it too. I mean... Players getting better means they will get 
the team will get better. Better players equals better team, right? And we know Vucevic can play better than what he played last year. How much of it was fit? How much of it was play style? How much of it was something else? That's the part we don't know. And I think what's got to happen now is he's got to prove that this 2017 season was a blip on the radar for him. That, you know, when given the role that he has with the Magic, he can be an efficient, shooting 50% or better from the floor, an efficient guy who can score 16, 17 a night, and of course, have his big games where he gets 20 points, 20 rebounds, you know, 25 points, something, you know, something like that. He can have those nights. It's a big year for Vucevic because he could quickly become an afterthought. His skill set is quickly becoming outdated in this league. And while Vucevic probably had his best defensive year of his career last year, and that should not be ignored that he was a passable defender, he's never going to be a room protector. He's never going to be a guy that slides over and makes opponents afraid to come into the paint. That's not who he's ever going to be. And it's not that the Magic are asking him to be that, but it does seem like ultimately to win in this league, that's what you need. And so the question remains once again, can Vucevic take that next step up? Or has Vucevic reached his ceiling? And that's a huge question that the Magic are going to be asking because it's happened the last two years and it's going to happen again this year and if he's still on the team next year. Nikola Vucevic probably remains one of the more tradable assets on the team. The Magic may not be able to get equal value for him or what they perceive to be equal value for him, i.e. a starting center. But teams are going to call, and it might be time, unless Vucevic proves his worth and proves that what he does can help translate into wins for his team. And, I, and it, you know, on a personal note, that's got to suck for him because he really, I mean, it, he's going to end up being one of the more forgotten players in Magic history because of the time period that he was on the team as its best player. He really wants this Magic team to win. He really wants this Magic franchise to win. And it would be great if he could be a part of it. It absolutely would, because he deserves it. But this business is hard. And it it is not personal. And so these big questions about Vucevic remain entering this season. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Um, Of course, we'll continue our Player Outlook series heading in toward the weekend, toward the end of the week. Uh, And of course, getting set for training camp to open next week. So get excited for the opening of Orlando Magic training camp next week. On Tuesday, we'll have complete coverage for Media Day. On Tuesday's episode of Locked on Magic, I have a fun uh, episode planned for Monday. I'm hoping to answer some mailbag questions next week, so be sure to send your mailbag questions to me on Twitter 
at omagicdaily, and you can also send send them to me via email if that's your preference, at omagicdaily at gmail.com. Lots to get to, though, before we get to the season. We'll finish our Player Outlook series coming up later on this week. But for now, that's going to do it for me. Remember, you can follow the show on on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn. That's where you can download the show and subscribe to the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, please be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me. I will see you all again tomorrow um, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all next time on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.